You're listening to Two Guys Talking Wine with Michael Pincus and Andre Prue. I am speechless. You're actually here. I know. It's the first time we've seen each other face to face. All year. Uh, when you arrived at my house at the Toronto studio, you gave me a big hug. So I think you must have actually missed wow, me. Wow! I just I was like, what the heck? Yeah, and yeah, so yeah. I'm a little, I'm a little shocked to see. I even brought a special bottle of wine over. Yeah, it's actually something really exciting. It's one of my favorite wineries. So, I, and I thought, you know what? I can, I can I share this with Andre because um, how often do I do I get to actually see you after so long? Sooner or later, I get to see you somewhere. Yeah, yeah. I'd be at a tasting or whatever, but it's been uh, been almost two months. It has and been almost two months. <laughs> So um, I thought, why not uh, open this uh, uh, Laughing Stock Blind Trust 2012? Yep. So uh, now we're going to try this a little bit on the uh, on the on the blind side because we haven't uh, really given it a shot. But what I really liked about it, and I'd never seen this before, although I've had the wine before, uh, is that underneath the capsule, it's uh, it's got the the assemblage. Uh, yeah, 49 percent uh, Merlot, thirty two Malbec, eleven Cab Sauv, and uh, eight Cab Franc. But it's really cool because the the assemblage is hidden by the capsule and blind and trust. That's sort of the joke about the the blind trust. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, it's it, it's really cool because when you when you crack the bottle, it's just like you had no idea what was in the blend. You've had the bottle for I'm guessing about six years. About six years. Well, five years or whatever. But yeah, that's oh, it's starting to open up. A little bit of a little herbal and stuff, but I mean, um, I'm getting like a good cocoa note on it. Cassis. Well, you know, on the other hand, you did uh, feed me some sort of um, meringue. Meringue. You finally got to eat something made by my lovely wife. Yeah, I can't believe it. You say she's a a, a baker, but uh, I had never tried anything. But oh wow, no, this is starting to open up nice. And lovely. Tannin's still a little bit grippy on it. Too, and then you, so. uh, they, you, you bring her up uh, kick-ass sass. Yeah, it's uh, so uh, by the time. The lovely people who are listening to this podcast are, are listening to it. I'll have done a, a segment with Ted Wallachin on News Talk 1010. Uh, we're talking about celebrity endorsed wines. The press release went out about these wines and it, it went to everybody in the industry, not just the wine industry, but it, it crossed my inbox a couple of times at my day job at News Talk 1010. Um, that Sass Jordan is making wine connected first, with Vine First female uh, celebrity endorsed, Canadian anyway. Mm, Debbie Travis. Well, I don't count that. Okay. Uh, but first celebrity female, yeah. Any- <laughs> I'm still going with that. Anyways. And it's it's a good wine. It'll make you a believer. You, you know what? The white wine. Not a wine? Sass Jordan fan, are you? You're just going to let that make you a believer? No, I just, uh, we were actually listening to that the other night. Yeah. It's it's a great song. Yeah. Really great song. Oh, no, she has some great stuff. Um, no, I actually just wanted to get I don't even know touch. if she's doing, she, is she singing still? Is she going to do a concert at Vineland? I don't know. She better. I, I saw that she's commenting on Brian Schmidt's uh, Facebook posts on uh, on the uh, on the Facebook yeah. on the Facebook. Wait, yeah. man, you're getting old now. But uh, I don't know. Maybe there's a way we can get in touch with her and, and, and talk to her about about the wine stuff because I know she was involved with the the blending of it. But anyways, the point of the segment I'm doing with Ted is we're talking about celebrity endorsed wines, and I think when we're looking at Niagara in 2018, there's more hits. And misses and a lot of the people who are connected with the wineries are clearly people who love wine. Whether it's Patrick Chan connected with Flat Rock, Jim yep. Cuddy connected with Taws, um, the fact that Peller has done a really great job resurrecting the the Gretzky, Gretzky brand, yeah, both with for sure. the whiskey and the wine. Like I needed when when people ask me about the Gretzky wine, they always ask it the same way. It's just like how about the Gretzky wine? <laughs> and it's I, just like no, it's 
Do you know it's what? actually worth paying attention to again. The, the stuff that they do as the Estate series is phenomenal. Everything like the about Estate series, but everything about that brand from bottom to top, because yeah. that used to be grocery store plonk. Yeah. The the brand was being neglected, and it has been resurrected. You got to get out. You got to get out to the winery first of all. A great winery to go to with an ice rink behind it. Correct, and and it's got a little it's got a little bar or like in the summertime where you can eat, and yeah. and it's got some of those whiskeys. The cream whiskey is phenomenal. Can't even um, tell the, you how the good red, that is. The red cask Canadian whiskey it's is yep. molasses, caramel, yep. uh, long, sweet finish, a little bit of spice, but not grippy like a lot of high rye whiskeys are. Yep. It's just a really well-made okay. Canadian whiskey. And I'm looking forward, as that distillery evolves, hopefully seeing some longer-aged Canadian whiskey. Oh, I would think so. Because uh, I'm, I'm really starting to ease into Canadian whiskey. I like bourbon. I know you do. Uh, people who heard the podcast that are bourbon podcast know that i like something a little bit sweeter i like something a little bit spicier something a little bit less subtle and i find canadian whiskey just it's a little bit too rye heavy and i like my my corn whiskeys so maybe we can get sass jordan on yeah that's one of the ideas there we go. and if she's doing a concert at violin maybe we'll be invited that'd be nice <laughs> i haven't seen sass in a long time i don't even think i've seen sass jordan um, moving on here, uh, speaking of people we should be talking to, Laughing Stock got sold to Artera. That's yeah. got to be a year at least. Over a year ago. Over a year ago. Yeah, and, and they I were supposed we were, to come yeah, on. We were talking with Michelle Saba, and yeah. she was supposed to help us line that up. But and I we know, know how happened. busy Michelle is. We do. So uh, I think the uh, the theory is if we uh, if we drink some wine from there, maybe she'll remember <laughs> that we exist again. Yep. Uh, while you were away, I also got in touch with uh, the guy, Daryl McMillan, I think his name is, yes. from uh, Dead Rabbit. Yes. And it's, uh, speaking of whiskeys. There's, uh, there's, and people will see the great photos once we get a chance to do this podcast, but we are going to interview the master distiller from Dead Rabbit yep. Irish Distillery. Which, uh, which I'm really looking forward to because, as you know, and as has been said before, I'm not a whiskey fan in yes. any way, shape, or form. This one, I absolutely love. So. I, I love that you love this whiskey, too, because it is, uh, I'm putting this in air quotes, real whiskey. It's not yep. uh, Dr. McGillicuddy's, which, I mean, it is It is what it is. I'm not going to tease you for, for liking that. But for my 17-year-old girl's taste. That's it, but it's not like a real, in air quotes, whiskey. Like, it's a whiskey-based drink. Yeah. And this is, um, I'm actually looking forward to talking to him because... Um, find out what he did to make me like it well and it's also chemically speaking i know different alcohols don't make you do different things like the fact that some people will say that tequila is, does makes them do stupid things uh like there's no chemical reason to go with that but every time i've done something really really stupid as a re- result of alcohol when i was much younger it has always been after a night of pounding jameson's because it was the cheapest shot at my local well, this, Regina. this didn't make me do anything stupid i did open it and and had it with a neighbor and uh he really liked it too how'd so. you drink it Straight. Good for you. Straight. It was really good. Uh, I, guess, I guess that Toronto Life uh, bit that we're working on is really starting to help bulk up because they've got us talking about spirits, which I know is outside of both of our comfort zone. Yeah. But and, I get, I, I, and I'm tasting stuff, too, that uh, that I usually would have just passed right over, right? So, but it's fun. Yeah. It, 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 it really is fun to, to, to challenge you, especially, like, you've been tasting wine a little bit longer than I have, but just to be like, whoa, there are things... In this flavor profile that just, it's not something I thought I would taste in an alcohol. So, I guess the next thing to do is, because we haven't been together for so long, is like the what's been happening. Yes. So, I can tell you what's been happening on this side of the pond. Okay. And you can tell me what you've been up to. So, um, the, I think the first thing, uh, I don't know if you know this, but uh, as of February, the, uh, the LCBO has brought back... Uh, honey's wines and um I, I don't know why we're we're sort of glossing over it because I know I know I've seen 
on on social media and other people where it's sort of like that guy, whatever. No, we should be saying his name while we should be remembering the names of the victims, which is unfortunately not what usually happens in these cases. But it's Norman Hardy's wines are back on the shelves of the LCB. And I, I'm very I'm very disappointed. I've ca- I've called them out in my most recent uh, uh, vintages report. Uh, I think it's a bad idea. Uh, you and I had a, a talk off the off the mic about you know how long somebody should sit on the the penalty box or, or on the bench. And I mean, we, we've been having this conversation also at, at News Talk Ten Ten as people like Louis C.K. keep uh, popping up in in the news. And let's face it, for those of you who are just like he hasn't been criminally convicted, Louis C.K. is another one who hasn't been criminally convicted and full on admitted his his bad behavior of sexual misconduct. Norman Hardy also admitted his behavior or some of his behaviors. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I really think, I don't know. Should it have been a year? Is six months too short? I really think it's too short. Well, here's the thing is I, I don't think that, and, and, and I wrote about it on, on AndreWineReview.ca when I wrote my Where Are You, Norm Hardy blog post a little while ago. I don't think the passage of time is enough to absolve you of, of your actions. I think your actions speak louder than words. And so far, all we've seen from Norman Hardy and from the winery itself has been a white page with black words, uh, which the cynic in me says are being crafted by a PR agency and not by Norm himself. I want to see some action. I want to see either Norm um, contacting the women the women who are named in the Global Mail piece. I do want they, to see do Norm. They want him to contact? I wouldn't want. I wouldn't. I want still him. think. I still think that. I you, don't want Norm to contact me. But that's another story. I mean, that's it. But I mean, I should. I would like to see an effort being made to try to uh, uh, apologize, try to try to move forward, not just move. And uh, uh, hiding behind a, a, a crafted. Uh, public statement doesn't do anything to show what you've done to to change. Saying that you've made changes in your work atmosphere isn't enough to show that you've made change. I think I think the cynic in me really came out over the holidays, where the staff and I throw air quotes around that came out with this post on the That's Facebook what I'm talking page about. Yeah. that said, "Oh, it's a great place to work. Everything's changed. Everything's great. Everybody but show should us, love it." Show us. Donate money to a women's shelter. Norm, why don't you go and, and volunteer at a women's shelter or, or show show us some work that you're doing to show that you have evolved beyond the man that's being portrayed in the Global Mail piece. I do believe people can change, but time passing is not is not any bit of evidence showing that your behavior has changed. I, I, I don't think he. I don't think he's he suffered a, a, enough. I'm, that's what I'm. That's what I'm thinking. Like I mean, these women suffered, obviously, at the hands of him. Whenever when everything went down, they 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 either left the industry or decided it wasn't worth being involved in the industry or not in wine or they didn't want to be in restaurants anymore. You know, so they gave up a, a dream or a career or whatever they were going to do, and went on to something else because they were like, I'm not being part of this. So he's ruined people's lives, and nothing seems to have been ruined. Six months, you know, that's that's a hockey season. That's not even a hockey season. Not, even a ho- not anymore. So moving on from that, I know we didn't want to spend that much time on it. It's hard uh, to not get worked up about it, though, and it's, it's frustrating to see yes. that the average wine consumer clearly clearly doesn't give a doesn't give a crap about this and, the, the and we, tr- need to, we need as as a society we need the culture to change the toronto star didn't miss a beat they're uh, putting stupid uh, scores out okay you didn't even miss a beat on that one no 96 points for hey, a really hey hey we said we weren't going to talk about this anymore oh man i just i saw that and it just it just blew my, blew my mind 
And then okay, I, and then okay. I, had, and now, then I had a guy, I had a guy email me and he said, uh, you know, why am I going to buy uh, Ontario wines over twenty dollars when I can get a seven dollar bottle of Spanish wine? So I wrote back to him and I said, you're obviously talking about this thing in the star. You know, have you tried the wine and do you believe the score? He goes, no, I think that's all bullshit. But, you know, I want to try a $7 Spanish wine. They got 96 points. And I think that's really, you know, what many people are going to do. Are they going to believe that it's 96 points? No, they're going to think it's a lot of bullshit, but it's going to sell a lot of wine. Okay. And, okay. Yeah. So full disclosure, I sent that I sent that column to you. Yeah. So I'm partly responsible for the, for the rant here. But it's, you know what? I, I'm going to say. It was going to appear on my Google feed anyway. Well, here's this. I'm, I'm going to say something uh, nice about Carolyn because I know she does know how to taste wine and she's a, a good wine taster. I've tasted wines with her in the past, but, and, and I've gone and I've purchased some of the wines that she scored ridiculously high. Like there's an Italian uh, producer that she scored 95 for a Primitivo last fall. And I went and I bought the bottle for eight ninety five. It was a very good wine. Was it a 95 point wine? No, it wasn't. And from tasting with Carolyn in the past, she knows it isn't too. I have no idea why she's scoring the wines the way she's doing it. But to sell wine. Yeah, I guess. You know, you can't... Uh, you know, I've written columns about this, and and, and, I, and I've said the reason that people are doing it is to get their names on paper, or in papers, but you in magazines, have, you already have bottles. a large platform. No, like, once you, once you have a platform, especially a platform like the, the Toronto Star... You should be respectable, but you're not. And she's, and that's she's the thing is, becoming but should... un- disrespected within the... She's disrespecting wine, disrespecting her readers, and disrespecting... Um, uh, the profession, I think. You know, I, I doubt that she will ever listen to this podcast, nor does she care what we have to say, because she has blocked both of us on social yeah. media simply for asking the question about why she's scoring wines the way she's, uh, the doing, way she's it. doing it. But if if you are if you are listening to this, uh, the invitation is open to come on this podcast, and we'll talk to you about your scoring. And if you want to really make it make it clear, but. Uh, just to be very clear, we are going to ask you questions about yeah. about how sh- broken should, the system is. And, should, should bring and, some of those wines along. Let us, you know, see what you're scoring. Ninety six. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So, so moving Michael, on. Wait, from wait, that. wait, wait, wait. Can we say that that's the absolute last time we're going to talk about scoring? And Not what? necessarily, but it's going to be for the next, you know, few. Anyway. Okay. Okay, because I'm really sick of talking I, about it, okay. but. Uh, I know so, I know it's going to come up again with my trip to to, to Chile and James Suckling, but it's just. It's. I, so, were we talking about your trip? I know we just did. Like it was on the last podcast. That was the. You know, because I've I've done two really amazing trips. There wasn't a lot of it on social media. If uh, I mean, if you're friends of mine on on Instagram, yeah, I was looking uh, for and, pictures and to put up at the podcast, and it was like you. And it was just out. like so. My trip to my trip to France. I did visit several wineries and I had an amazing time. But it was my honeymoon, and I made a your second effort. honeymoon with your second wife. Well. The first honeymoon was it was a long weekend. We were only gone for three days. It just felt like longer because it was the first time we'd taken some time away in, in quite some time. And planning the wedding was exhausting. We spent two weeks in in Europe with friends and some time on our own, and uh, that was a real honeymoon. And we really just didn't take very many pictures. I, I but I do want to talk about it kind of in a separate in a podcast because there's some great. I have some really really. My mind was blown both on the culinary front. And on the uh, wine front. So I, I don't know if you got a chance to listen to the to the interviews that I did. I did. They were fantastic. And um, one of the people, not not that I spoke to, but one of the, um, uh, well, I can name it, I, I, Tony Aspler, when I said that you were on your, your second honeymoon, <laughs> he, he said, is he with his second wife? 
So that was really fun. That's fantastic because Tony knows Anya and Deborah knows Anya, yeah. and, and we very much love Tony and, and Deborah. But thanks, Tony. Yeah. Thank you. So that was his little joke, and uh, we all want to know if you were on your second wife. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. It was. Um, your second family. Maybe. It was it was the first time we we taken any like real extended time off that wasn't connected to work, and it was really like the first time traveling for an extended period of time that didn't revolve around wines and wineries. So I mean, I have some great wine stories because we did. Sure. So we spent we spent the honeymoon around Lyon, and Lyon is my most favorite travel destination on the planet. Um, like you have a te- you have you have a, a city that isn't as as cramped and and crowded as Paris. Surrounded by Côte d'Irone, Beaujolais, and Bourgogne. Like, you, you, not only do you have one wine region, because, like, Bordeaux has Bordeaux. And, yep. you know, you got Paris a stone's throw away from Champagne. But I, I think Lyon's really where it's at. So, I know, I know you, you were, went to Beaujolais, and uh, I was very excited to find out that you may get somebody on the podcast for us. Oh, yeah. Um so my contact is at Dominique Piron, which is a winery we've talked about yep. a bit, and you gave me a shout-out yep. in your video, yep. where at first I didn't watch the video and I gave you crap because I know I introduced you to that winery. Yeah. Well. Um, but Julien Ravillon, uh, he is a wonderful contact that I've made in the industry, answered so many emails when I was planning my trip, and made sure that I got a chance to do a tasting at the winery, but he said he may be in Toronto in the next couple months, and if he is, we are going to get him on the podcast awesome. in whether it's hell or high water, I don't care where I have to go. Because um, that, that winery really, it's, it's really special to me because, um, I mean, Beaujolais is really, it's starting to really start to creep into Ontario. And right now the sommeliers are yeah, really, yeah. but the sommeliers are really starting to lose their over some of the more natural wine producers, people like Lapierre, and these bottles are starting to pop up in places like Archive, and they're great wines. Yep. Um, and I know we're going to talk about, a bit more about natural wine at some point down down the road because it's really exciting to try to f- start to find these wineries that are making wines that would fall into the category of natural wine, not because they're trying to hit that marketing checkbox. They're natural wine because they're good wine. The fact that they're natural just happens to be a byproduct. Experience the same thing at Di Martino in, in Chile and, and La Pierre is a winery like that. But a winery like uh, Dominique Piron um, kind of straddles a, a, a fine line between hitting a more commercial aspect while still being very true to working really well with Gamay, working really well with old vines uh, and just producing kick-ass wines at a really reasonable price. So uh, somebody's going to obviously ask you the next question and I'm going to ask it here. Go for it. So what's your next trip? I have nothing on the, the docket right now. Uh, I got to talk to my wife. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think I have any. I don't think I have any wine trips lined up. I'm, I'm, I'm supremely jealous that you're going to Washington State. Yeah, I'm going to Washington uh, the end of March, uh, and I'm going to my annual Italy trip uh, for Tuscany. So yep. we usually talk uh, about yeah, uh, we'll, about we'll connect Tuscany. there. And then uh, this year, it looks like I'm uh, also going to check out Umbria, which uh, cool. which is Sagrantino. Uh, usually, I go to Faenza and uh, taste more Sangiovese, but I'm going to taste uh, Sagrantino. Oh my time. God! Uh, you need to go to Tenuto Bellafonte. Uh, they may be in in the the works. I'm not sure. Why you're looking like that? I'm going to see what I can do to get them to make sure you get a bottle because I had a chance to taste uh, those wines in Toronto a few years ago. Sacramentino is and- a great wine. It's one of those wines that you can just lay down and just go, eh, whatever. Because there's there's uh, they're so tannic, so yep. uh, so ballsy, I guess. And it really is like I have. I know I have a couple bottles in my cellar 
and um, it, it, there winds up, you know, I'm looking through and I go, eh, but I remember the, 10 years old. Eh, let it go. They're not terribly expensive. Though, no, are they're they? not. They're not. And uh, I mean, that's that's the thing that's that's fantastic about it is with a little bit of patience, it will reward you. And you can. Well, it's not a can, little bit. It's a, it's a lot of patience. Like well, I'm, I'm five, saying, 10 years is a lot of patience for people okay, when it comes to I, I don't think, wine. I don't think five years is a big ask when it comes to buying a great bottle of wine. And as always, you can you could beat the fruit out of a out of a, a bottle of wine that's tannic and locked up by tossing yeah. it in a decanter. But I mean, once again, you want to talk about, about talk about a little bit of patience. I'm not talking about opening the bottle an hour before serving it. I'm talking about opening the bottle at 9 a.m. when you leave for work, setting it on the counter, and drinking it when you get home at 5 p.m. And even then, it might not be ready. No, not be ready. But it's it, but it's it's the it's the whole thing that when you're dealing with younger wines, you can still find a way to kind of accelerate that aging process and really, really enjoy them while they're young. But but the one as you mentioned, the one that I'm really looking forward to is Washington State. I have never been to Washington State for a while. I've been to Washington State. I've been yep. to Seattle. I have family out in Seattle. Uh, I'm a big Seahawks fan. Um, that's probably why I'm a Seahawks. But I mean, uh, I've never I've, I've I've been out to Washington State. Years ago, before I was into wine, and then years later, I'm like, why doesn't my family invite me out now that uh, that Washington State's known for <laughs> wine, but I just don't get that invite. And uh, this time, uh, it looks it looks like it's it's, a, it's around the state. It's not just one location either. Walla Walla saw, is really it's a cool place to to drive through because uh, when I went to um, to Oregon a couple years ago. Um, when I went to Oregon uh, a few years ago, we drove back to Saskatchewan from Oregon, which took us, it was a slight detour to go to Walla Walla, and we stopped at uh, Le Col number 41. Yep. Um, the wines there are just stupendous. And I opened up that that bottle for you. We yep. weren't disappointed. Well, the, the interesting part is I just I just got uh, a, a form from, you know, the, the company or whoever's, I don't even know who's organizing this. Just uh, This could be a big joke, and I never see it in Washington, but... On the weekend, there's these seminars you can choose from, okay. uh, and there's three on Saturday and three on Sunday. Pick pick your seminar, and the Saturday I thought was it was a no brainer for me. I thought because it was the the history of um, of Washington State and its wine. And I thought that's, so. It's, that's it's just going to be Chateau Saint Michel. I hope not. I hope there's there's more to it. But then the well, second that's, that's, day, that's, that's talking. To you. And here's the thing: is I, I love Chateau Saint Michel just because it is. Definitely the largest winery in in Washington, yeah. but it's it's quality wine for the scale right. that they're and, making. And they it. and they and they bought some stuff in in California too, so they are oh, cool. doing very well. So, but the second day was a look at um, uh, Cabernet Sauvignon. Yeah, in in like you know decades and decades where the Cabernet Sauvignon, and one of the things was they were going to say, you know, here is one that's twenty years old, and here's a current vintage. Here's one that's ten years old. Here's cool. a current, and I'm like, that sounds really cool. But then the one that really got me was they were saying, look, um, a lot of places like to make Pinot Noir, but Washington State makes Grenache, which is Washington State's Pinot. And I'm like, well, you know what? That sounds even more interesting than the cab because I think during the tours you're going to get to taste a lot of cab because cab's made all over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But how much Grenache are you going to get to taste from Washington? I'm, I'm, actually, I'm looking forward to seeing um, what you're going to taste in terms of whites. I know they have Sauvignon, Semillon, and, and Chardonnay. That was one of the there. seminars too, but I figured that's going to be shown at wineries yeah, as yeah. well. But you, I you thought know, you know just what? Grenache. How we'll, much we'll, Grenache definitely, we'll definitely talk to you while you're out there, but I'm really looking forward to, to hearing – what, what you have to say about it, because I know that 
Oregon gets a lot a lot of love from Ontario, and I think it has to do with the fact that if you're a locavore, you know, there's just a lot of parallels between between the, the Willamette Valley and and Niagara. But uh, besides Washington, both places starting with an O, but go on. Well, and Washington, really? <laughs> you think that's why? Oh, Oregon, Ontario, they both start with an O. Yeah. Ding. Okay, let's. Well, check New Zealand out. and Ontario are very close, and they're close in the alphabet too. N O. But Washington makes more wine. They're the second, they they second, second largest wine producing region in the United States. It used States. to be New York State. I don't know where New York State fits into this. I thought it was always like California, three. New York, then Washington and Oregon. That's yeah, why last, I always last chart was... I saw was uh, California, Washington, Washington, and then New York and Oregon really? kind of went down there. Because oh. New so, York used to be two. And we need to check out Texas and uh, Texas. Arizona I'd love the Texas. I'd love to. I, I had a I had a, oh, you're, a you're reader once send me a bottle of Texas wine. Was, was it really Tempranillo? Good. I don't remember what it was, but it was because really I had good. a bottle of Texas Tempranillo a few years ago. It was great. Yeah, they make great wine. Now that and Kentucky thing we we tried was was horrible, but I mean, oh, uh, you know what? I, I know we're getting close to being at the rambling on. We, we should yeah, we, we should definitely wrap yep. this up. But I love when you travel to a wine region and you get a really great sommelier who is brutally honest about the wines of the region. Because when I was in Kentucky and we ate at 610 Magnolia, which is probably the best restaurant in Louisville, a Chef Edward Lee. You almost were on uh, Top Chef Kentucky, but that's for We now. were very close to going to uh, I'm Top watching Chef that Kentucky these tasting. days. But you see what Eric sort of cuisine they're doing that. To that. But anyway. Yeah, it's great. But anyways, we talked to the sommelier at 610 Magnolia, and I asked her about the local wines, and she was just like, not even to make vermouth. And it's just like, okay appreciate your honesty. When we were in Poland, they're growing wines in Poland. We had a really great restaurant called Senses. Um, and the sommelier was on the level. The wine list was great. It was varied. It it had the range of whether you wanted to spend a little bit of money versus a lot, but that's relative because the restaurant was insanely expensive. But I asked him, so Polish wine, what up with that? And he's just like, well, you know, we're working with some hybrids here. I do like a few of the wines, but none of them are good enough to put on the wine list at this restaurant. And it's just like, okay, I appreciate the honesty. And as our final note for this podcast, yes, BQA just approved Marquette. Cool. Yep, got that via the Twitter. Cool. So the changes, the changes that we've been discussing over the last little while, are they all locked in? Or I don't know. That's the only one I read about. Okay, I think That's we have to only... do some digging, and we'll find out about it. And I, you know what? I actually got, uh, I got an email from uh, since we're doing a little, uh, a little wrap up from some of the stuff we uh, we are doing. Uh, I got an email from Philip Dowell, who is the, uh, and this is just, I uh, just reminded me of this, who is the winemaker for Angels Gate. And uh, he said he just listened to our podcast and thought I'd clear up the issue on the non-vintage wine. Now, he sent me an attachment, which uh, I'll have to download. And How come he didn't email me? Because he doesn't like you. He says that here. I do not like Andre. I wish he would shut up. No, I'm just kidding. It doesn't, it doesn't say anything about it. I just added that myself. Uh, subsequent to the blending and bottling of the first release, I've had another five releases. So, yes, five, the V would have been would have been his fifth release. We weren't far off on that one. The one you had tried being the most recent has had the following vintages included in the blend. Cool. Because we were trying to figure out. Yeah, yeah let's go for it. Go for so it. So here we go. So it, there's some 2007 Merlot, some 2012 Cabernet Franc Apassimento, some 2014 Cabernet Franc Ripasso, and some 2016 Merlot. So it really is a Franc uh, Merlot uh, blend is what hey. it is. I, I deserve some brownie points for that because I said it tasted like there was a lot of warm vintage in it. Oh, well, obviously the um, the Apassimento would have made it uh, feel more warm vintage, right? Yeah. So Well, but I mean, you, we've tasted older Apassimento wines, though, that 
even though in its youth, the fruit flavors are amplified and become a little bit more juicy and confected with a little bit of time, the pyrazine and everything gets amplified, even the less ripe flavors. So, wow. So, yeah, he's basing it. Uh, I'm just reading the notes here. It's a long piece, so I'm not going to say But he is basing it. Remember, we talked about uh, Vegas Sicilia yep. and them doing it. So he has based it on Vegas Sicilia. In Spain, takes this even further by aging their wines for 10 years. So that's why he's he's making this. And as I said, it's a, it's a large document, which uh, I don't know what we're going to cool, do. Cool, you that. can send that to me. Well, I'll, that's great. You, so you got the final word on our final word about the VQA changes. Yeah. So that's exciting. Pretty, I mean, yeah. Philip, we appreciate that you took the time to listen to the podcast. Thank you very much. We appreciate that. And uh, email Andre next time, too, because he gets... I feel, I've been feeling, I've been feeling left, left out. out. Thanks to Brittany, Morgan, and Kelly for filling my shoes while I was gone. The interviews were great. And uh, Brittany says she'll uh, fill your shoes anytime. Yeah, so I know that. She was very happy to do it, and she wants you to go away permanently. You know, we, we need to have Brittany. <laughs> we need to have Brittany on a, a, again because I know she's very outspoken and opinionated. Yep. And it was a little bit more like it was a backstory of of Creekside. I'd love to have her on just about like another topic. Maybe get her on for stump the chump or something. Sure, she'd love to do that. And I know that uh, Kelly wants to do it again because right after she's like, "Oh, I don't think I did very well. I'll do better next time." <sighs> so we'll we'll get her in. There's a lot that Kelly can say though. She's working so many places. Oh yeah. She's okay. Okay. Good. Wait, okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna pour one glass of wine here yeah, yeah, yeah. and then we'll, hey, uh, we'll have you got my wrap up figure because that, that was my favorite thing was uh, listening no, to you I mangle the wrap up no one time i didn't even do it i know one time i had kelly do it yeah and uh i don't even know so andre welcome back thank you very much for uh showing up in canada again um i'm glad to be back even though it's not summer here and it no. was 30 degrees every day in chile yeah. yeah so when we're recording this it's uh we're during the the polar vortex of oh, minus, minus 17 31 right now so why one. don't you do it okay so hold on let me see let me see if i can get it okay so um S- subscribe, to, subscribe to this podcast on itunes um leave a review leave a review we're also on soundcloud we never mentioned soundcloud but that's where yeah, we're... But nobody really uses soundcloud we're pushing it to itunes but yeah soundcloud's a great way to, to check us out and we're there too yeah tell your friends tell your family tell yeah. your wife tell your lover Hopefully they're the same person. Hopefully they're not the same person. Yeah, the the, the wife and lover, but do mother you, and lover. Do you ever listen to Jimmy Carr? No. Oh, I, I saw him. Okay, the okay other, we're rambling. I saw him the other day. We're rambling. And he goes, you know, the best part about living with your with your mother is the sex. And that was just so wrong. If you ever get a chance to hear his stuff, he is just so politically incorrect. I'm Andre Prue from underwinereview.ca, which is now being updated again. I took a month off, but uh, thanks to everyone for uh, joining me again. I've got some reviews of uh, the Flat Rock Ultra wines up. I've got some reviews of the Cloudsley wines, which are really exciting wines. I've kept my stuff up to date, so I've got lots of of back vintages of stuff. I've got vintages releases. Videos are all up there. But where can people see them? Whoever you are and whatever the website is. I am Michael Pincus of MichaelPincusWineReview.com. Andre, thanks for coming back. It's so good to be back. Send us away, Mike. Good night! Thanks for listening. Please subscribe to Two Guys Talking Wine on iTunes.